breath of God, just breathe on us afresh, Lord. Let the wind of the Spirit come in this place. Lord, fill us, touch us. We lift our lives and our hearts high to you, Lord. We lift them up to you with our hands lifted, our hearts lifted up for a fresh touch of your grace and mercy. Lord, let your presence come amongst us tonight. You're worthy of all praise and all honor. Open the heavens, Lord. Open the heavens and pour out a blessing. The blessing of your Spirit. Lord, we open our hearts to you. We ask you to pour yourself into our lives, bringing healing and wholeness and encouragement. Lord, we come out of the darkness into the glorious light. Lord, we open ourselves like a flower opens its petals to receive the sunlight. So our heart opens like a flower to you. Shine on us, Lord. Shine on us. Let us feel the shining of your glory. The shining of your glory. Lord, when they speak of the glory in the Bible, it's like a shining of your brilliance, and your grace, and your love. You're like the sun at noonday in its full shining warmth, and you never change. It's we that change, Lord. It's we that close up. You don't go behind a cloud. You're always shining, always shining. Whatever situation we're in or circumstance, you don't change. You're good all the time. In bad situations, you're good. In wonderful situations, you're good. So, Lord, we, we, we bask in your presence. We bathe in your sunlight. Melt our hearts by your presence. Make us soft this evening. If you've got any problem in the neck area or the collarbone area, especially if there's some, some problem in the collarbone area, I want you to leave your seats, come to the front. We want to pray for you, for your healing. So neck area, but especially I, I hear the word collarbone. If there's any problems with that. If you're upstairs in the balcony, come down. We want to pray for you this evening. Collarbone, neck, just come out to the front here. We're going to begin to pray for you. Just tell the ministry team member what the situation is. We're going to pray for you. The rest of us, just use this time just to soak in the presence of the Lord. Sometimes we can be too intense with God. There's a time for intensity. We had an incredible, intense time on Wednesday night when we prayed for places like Iraq and took up an offering, 5,200 pounds on its way to Canon Andrew White in Baghdad, and he's taking it right to where the suffering is. And it's important to be intense when our brothers and sisters need our prayers, but that doesn't mean that we can't still receive 
the blessing of God. I'm going to be speaking tonight on entering into the rest of faith. And so why don't we just right now enter into the presence of God, leave all your cares at his feet. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are burdened, and I'll give you rest. Because his yoke is easy, his burden light. So right now, take off your life, off your mind, all the worries and cares. You can't add a moment to your life by worrying. You can't solve a problem by worrying. You can't do it. So right now, just let tension go and let the Holy Spirit minister. He's in control. So sense people problem with their wrists, problem with your wrist areas, wrists, if you have problem with your wrists, mobility or aching or a problem or anything like that, if you have any problem with your wrists or that area, I want you to leave your seats and come and be prayed for. There's an anointing, I believe, for healing, so any problem with your wrists, just come and Tell the ministry team and we believe that God will do something for you. Why don't you just cast your cares on him today? Whatever it is, cast it on him. Just cast your care on him tonight. Pray that burdens will be lifted by the anointing of God. Lord, that you'll supernaturally bring freedom and liberty into our lives tonight. Bring your peace, a peace that passes all understanding. Let it be imparted into your children's life tonight. Ear blockages and nasal blockages. If you suffer from ear blockages and nasal blockages, again, I feel the Holy Spirit wants to minister to you, particularly this evening. Leave your seats. If you're upstairs, make the effort come down for any of these things we've said it'll be worth it God will meet you at your point of faith tonight let's sing that song Jonathan in your name
Inner healing is even more important at times than outer healing. God doesn't just want to bring healing to our bodies. He wants to bring healing to our souls. And God is planning on bringing wholeness to our lives because of destiny. There's things that God wants us to carry and there's things that want God wants us to do. And an unhealed heart can hold back the destiny of God in our lives. But the more healed we are, the more we can carry, the more we can do. When God pours out his power on an unhealed heart, normally what happens is that unhealed heart can't carry the power or the anointing or the destiny that's resting on them and a catastrophe takes place. This is why sometimes great men and women of God fall and you think, how can they be carrying so much power, so much authority? How can they be doing so much in their sphere of life, business, whatever it might be? And then it all just goes pear-shaped. They seem so strong. Well, it's because God uh, gave them great power and authority and put them in great places and gave them great gifts. But there wasn't a corresponding healing in the heart for them to be whole enough to carry the destiny that God had put on their shoulders. And God has a destiny for us together, and he also has a destiny for each one of us. And part of God's plan is not just to give you that destiny and to give you that breakthrough and to give you that authority and to give you that, that place of blessing, really. But he wants, more than anything, for our hearts to be in a place where we can carry what he wants us to do. And sometimes he withholds the fullness of the blessing, the breakthrough, or he keeps us back from our destiny because if we walked into it at this precise moment, then our unhealed hearts would not be able to cope and the pressure and the power and the breakthrough and even the blessing would ruin us. God does not spoil his children. And God wants to give us great things and put us into great situations, but more than that, He's more concerned about the state of our hearts. He'd rather us, us healed on the inside than be like a shooting star on the outside. So I just want to pray a prayer of the working of the Spirit in your life, not just for tonight, but ne tomorrow and the next day, not just an evening, but I want to get behind and also pray the Lord to release a new work inside our hearts. The most important thing in your life is the working of the Spirit in the inner man the inner woman. That, that's more important than healing. And I don't mean to be rude if you're suffering illness, but more important than anything in the world, more important than victory, prosperity, breakthrough, external, the most important thing in the world is your heart. That's where God works in the heart. And that means he works from inside out. He doesn't work outside in. That's Phariseeism make it look good on the outside. God works on the inside. So the greatest thing that God can do in your life is in your life, in your heart, a working of the Spirit. So I'm just going to pray that God will release increased workings of the Spirit in your life, increased opening eyes of the, of the heart, 
increased, incre increased understanding, increased healing, increased wholeness, increased repentance. What a beautiful world, word, true repentance is, because it's a turning from darkness to light, from fear to confidence, uh, a turning to the Lord. Father, release your Holy Spirit, not just as you've done earlier for the healing of the body, but more important, we ask for a release of the Holy Spirit's working in our hearts, an increase, an increase in the working of the Holy Spirit on the inside of our lives. Lord Holy Spirit, we pray that you will come like rain on the soil of our hearts. We pray that you would overcome resistance in our hearts to you and the Word. We pray for the grace of the Holy Spirit to come into our lives an increasing level. Lord, if you come in your grace, there'll be change. If you come in your mercy on the inside of us, there'll be change. Don't leave us as we are, but breathe on us, Holy Spirit. Let there be great workings on the inside of us. Let there be great healings on the inside of us. Bring to us greater measures of holiness, greater measures of wholeness, greater measures of healing. Let your healing balm even now come into our lives. Lord, we pray that you will heal areas of our hearts that need healing, that, Lord, broken parts, broken parts of the inner man, Lord, where we've been broken through our own sin or our own false thinking or where other people have broken us over the years and there remains a brokenness. We pray for a healing fixing, a healing fixing. We thank you there is a balm in Gilead. We thank you there is a great physician and more than anything, he's a physician of the heart. And so we pray, Lord, that you will come by your Holy Spirit and do a great renewal work on the inside of our lives. Because, Lord, we know if we're healed on the inside, there's nothing on the outside that can overpower us. If we're whole on the inside, there's nothing on the outside that can defeat us. Nothing. We can only be defeated from within. Only from within can we be defeated. And that's why we're asking for a greater work of your Holy Spirit on the inside of our lives, in our hearts. We all need it, Lord. None of us are coming to you saying that we're whole. On the contrary, we're saying, God, we need you. Lord, sometimes the first work of the Spirit is to show us our need or to be healed and to be made whole. So Holy Spirit, have mercy on us tonight. And Lord, increase your work in our lives. Increase your influence in our hearts and minds. Lord, do a greater work and a deeper work in these days. Lord, we thank you. Don't give up on us. We know you won't. But Lord, don't, Lord, have mercy on us. You could so easily withdraw from our lives. You could so easily let judgment reign. But you're a merciful, good God, and you hear us when we cry out for your work, your fellowship, your mercy, your kindness. You brought us this far, Lord. We pray that you will take us into realms of the Spirit and realms of experience with the Father that we've never been before. Lord, we pray that which we know only in our mind, may it be experienced in our hearts. Holy Spirit, fill us. Holy Spirit, influence us. Holy Spirit, speak to us clearer. We're sorry 
when we're insensitive, they ask forgiveness and mercy. Speak to us clearer till we can hear. Lord, let us have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us, to us personally, through the Word. Lord, open our ears, not our physical ears, but our spiritual ears. Open our eyes, not just our physical eyes, but our spiritual eyes that we might see. Remember the church of Revelation that was told quite categorically that they needed healing. They thought they were kings. They thought they had all things. And Lord, you said, buy for yourselves anointment so that you can see your state that God might be able to do something. Lord, take that anointing oil, as it were, the salve of revelation. Come to us, Lord, where we don't see ourselves properly or even know our need of the Holy Spirit. We just pray that you will just put that anointing on, our, on the eyes of our heart so that we can see, see things as you see. Lord, where we can see the specks in other people's spiritual lives, we pray that you'll show us the planks in our own, that you might remove the planks, that we might be whole, that we might be healed. I hear the Holy Spirit say that in some of our lives there are splinters. You know what it's like when you get a splinter in your finger? And it's a tiny little thing, a tiny little splinter. But some of those things can be so hot, they can be so painful. You try to just press that splinter out and it hurts. And that little speck, that little splinter in your finger or wherever, is causing a great deal of pain. And it's quite hard to get out. Sometimes you have to even have to get a needle just to prise it out. The Holy Spirit, is, I believe, is saying that in some of our lives, and He's encouraging us tonight, not condemning, there's some splinters, splinters in our hearts. And when the Holy Spirit comes to touch them, just like a child with a splinter and the parent comes, and as soon as they touch the area around the splinter, the child recoils. Why? Because it hurts. The area around the splinter is inflamed and hurting. It's a tiny little speck, a tiny little splinter, but it's having an effect of pain and, and sensitivity to the area. The Holy Spirit is saying that in some of our lives there are splinters that are in our hearts that He's trying to remove. But He's saying that sometimes when He comes to deal with those splinters and we feel a little bit of pain, we immediately close up. We don't open like a flower. We close up. We withdraw. We go down other paths where we get relief in sinful practices or we ignore, or we choose, just leave it, like a child saying, just leave it, it'll be all right, it won't be all right. So the Holy Spirit's saying that He wants to get these splinters out of our hearts. He's asking permission to enter into some sensitive areas. We're praying for the Holy Spirit to do a great work in our hearts, and I hear the Holy Spirit saying splinters, and I also hear the Holy Spirit asking for permission to come into some of those areas where it's a little bit raw, a little bit painful, where we have these protective measures 
around those splinters. And he's just asking us that we will open our hearts to him and trust him like the child trusts the parent to squeeze that splinter out so that it doesn't get septic or whatever, doesn't get worse, doesn't spread, doesn't increase the pain because the longer you keep a splinter in, the wider the pain spreads. Doesn't, it's not contained. So we hear you, Holy Spirit. Why don't you, right where you are, respond to what he said? We prayed to do a work. Why don't you speak to him about your splinter areas? Maybe you don't know the areas. Well, he'll show you. Ask him to show you. Maybe you're thinking, God, I know those areas. Because those areas are where the pain is in your life. It's those areas you feed with things to dull the pain you ignore so if you know those areas of pain where those splinters are why don't you just say to him I'm not saying to say he's going to do it immediately but you can give him permission right now is that if you don't give him permission it sounds if I'm hearing him right that he's going to say okay and back off but why don't you give him permission why don't you give permission why don't you give him permission he'll take control he'll take control and he'll bring healing and he'll get that pain out and he'll bring healing. Just you speak to him in your own heart. Talk to him though. I mean, you don't have to physically talk to him out of your mouth, but speak to him as a person. Say to him, what are these things? Or you know these things. Just speak to him. Tell him. Trust him. Just talk back to him. He's speaking to you. I'm going to give you a few moments to do that. our seats shall we I think some of that ministry will perhaps dovetail with the word I want to bring you tonight I did change the uh, title you you had it right but then I I sort of like changed it I want to speak to you today on the rest of faith the rest of faith or entering in to the rest of faith and uh, I'm going to be reading from Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 but we will need to revisit Hebrews chapter 3, the rest of faith. Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, verse 1, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, 
let us fear lest any of one of you should have seemed to fail to reach it. For good news came to us, just as it did to them. That's the people in the wilderness. But the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he said. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world... For he has said somewhere, spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in the passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. This is speaking about the children of Israel, the Moses generation who refused to believe God. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, Today, saying through David, so long afterward in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken about another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by, any, by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Here in chapter 4, we have this concept of rest, of entering in to a state of rest. And uh, God has given this opportunity. He himself entered into a rest on the seventh day, on the Sabbath. And he had a rest for the children of Israel. They were in slavery and bondage in Egypt, but God's plan for the children of Israel was salvation, deliverance, and then that they would enter into their rest, the promised land, initially. And what the author of Hebrews is saying, and the author of Hebrews is Paul, or if not Paul, one of his close disciples, what he's saying is, the children of Israel did not enter into the rest in any way because of dis disobedience from what was going on in their hearts. And then he said, so has this rest been fulfilled? Some of you might say, ah, well, maybe Moses' generation didn't enter into their rest, but Joshua did. Didn't he take the promised land? Well, they took most of the promised land. But here in Hebrews 4 it says, no, it's not speaking about Joshua because God is still speaking about a a rest for us presently. In fact, he says, let us strive to enter into that rest. So here, there is a goal, a goal to enter in to rest, whatever that means. Now let's go back a little bit to chapter 3 and see a little bit more context, because we're going to look now at a case study of those that did not enter into their rest, the children of Israel. 
Let's go down to chapter 3, verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test, saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But encourage one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as those in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient. So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. So we have a picture here of the children of Israel, and there was a rest that God wanted them to enter into. But they did everything wrong. They did all the wrong things all the things we shouldn't do, all the things that disqualify us from entering into the rest. And then in chapter 4, we see that 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 the author of Hebrews is addressing us and saying, hey, the promise still remains. There's still a rest for us to enter in. And uh, let's understand that God has a rest for us. Now, let me just cut to the chase and then expand. What, What am I talking about? When, when I'm talking about, or when we're talking about entering into the rest. Well, we're talking about two things. We're talking about a present rest. You can enter into this rest right now on the inside. So we're talking about entering into that rest immediately. It's an internal rest. But we're also, at the, uh, also talking about a future rest, okay? So when we talk about entering into the rest... We're talking about something present, something we can experience right now in our lives. But also, we're talking about something that is also a future experience. And what we can experience right now, which I'm going to explain to you, the rest of God, or the rest of faith, as I want to call it, we can experience it right now. But that rest of faith is building towards a future event. It's it's almost like a foretaste of the full rest to come. That's where we're going. You say, well, maybe you should expand a little bit more. Well, I'm going to, and and let's take the example that Hebrews does of these children of Israel that had been delivered and that did not enter into their rest. I'm saying there was a future entering in of the rest, uh, but there was a present experience of that that would build towards a future. Now, When we see these children of Israel, they are a model for Christians today. You know, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 
then you will see that Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, says that everything that happened to the children of Israel was done for an example for us today. So whatever happened to them, naturally, is a spiritual example of what has happened to believers today. So them coming out of Egypt is a picture of us coming out of sin when we're saved. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10 that when they went through the waters of the Red Sea, it was a baptism. And going through the baptisms of the waters that separated them from their own life in Egypt, Paul says that's an example of our believers' baptism today. When we're baptized as believers in water, it is not just a symbol, but it is also an actual act of deliverance from the old life. When you are baptized in water, it has a powerful effect, just as powerful as when the children of Israel went through the Red Sea and then the sea closed behind them and the old life couldn't reach them any, anymore. Remember, before they got to Red Sea, the old life, Pharaoh, the slavery, was chasing them, wasn't it, with the chariots? But once they were baptized, Paul says, into the Red Sea, no more could that old life get to them. Baptism is not just a witness, it's a mighty deliverance from the past. That's why if you have not yet, as a believer, don't, I'm not talking about baby, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. Uh, Jesus was not baptized as a baby, he was baptized as for no, no, nobody in the New Testament was baptized as a believer. No, I'm sorry, as, a, as an infant. They may have been baptized as children, but they were believing children. Uh, when's the next baptism service? 31st, we have a baptism service. On your way out, get a baptism form. If you're part of KT, you consider us our home, we'll baptize you, and you'll see a noticeable difference. And then it says they were baptized in the cloud and the fire. In other words, the cloud of God's presence during the day and the fire during the night. And that is a picture of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. John said, I baptize you in water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now I'm saying that now to come back to this passage to say that the author of Hebrews is using an Old Testament example to give spiritual truths today. And so the picture here is that God had given them a promise to enter into rest. And physically speaking, at one level, the promise was the promised land. A land flowing with milk and honey. You know all the promises and the descriptions that were given to this people. This wonderful land. Milk and honey. The dew of heaven coming to the earth. A, a land that was blessed. A land that was their destination. And that's the picture of rest. A natural picture. A, a picture of rest. And they were to enter into that into the in the future. But the problem was, that generation never entered into that type of rest, did they? Not one of them, not even Moses in that generation, except Caleb and Joshua. Not one of them tasted the honey. Not one of them put their foot on the promised land, let alone possess the land there, let alone enjoy the land. Not one of them possessed their inheritance, not one of them. And the reason was, was they didn't get the rest that was promised to them in the future because they never entered into that rest in their hearts. In other words, to enter into your destiny, destiny needs to enter into you. To enter into that which God has promised you, 
that which God has promised you has already got to have entered into your heart by faith. You see, the problem with the children of Israel is they didn't believe in their destiny. They didn't believe it was possible. They didn't believe that they could go in and possess their possessions. They didn't believe it. And, and we see this picture of them. And you see, if that promised land, we're speaking nat natural, a natural picture, we'll come to the spiritual truth, because as much as this is true, it's just a natural picture of spiritual truths, because even, as we heard, Joshua entered in, and the people entered in, and the Joshua generation, and, and Hebrews says, but you know what? That's just a picture. Even that wasn't the rest that God was talking about. So it's just an earthly picture, but let's use it for now. You see, the problem was, if they had allowed the rest of the future, the promises of God, to enter into their hearts, then they would have been a different people. You see, look at Joshua and Caleb. They were like, we're well able to go in. We're well able to go in. Why? Because they had already gone into it. They had already possessed it. They had already believed it. They had entered into the rest by faith. I mean, we're not going to go into it, but later on in Hebrews, we get a picture of everybody that entered into that internal rest. By faith, Abel offered up. By faith, Noah built. By faith, Abraham left his family. By faith, Sarah. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. But do you notice, amen, I think you're catching it. But do you know, by faith, they did these things. But at the same time, it says, they never received the fullness. They never received the fullness. They did receive things on earth. They did receive breakthroughs. They did receive by faith on the earth. But it says it wasn't complete. Why? Because there was a greater rest that they were entered to. But they entered into it by faith. They entered into the experience of what God had already promised before they received it. You know, we could go through Romans chapter 4 and we could talk about Abraham and how he had faith and he, he came to the place where he believed God before he even received from God. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. You can have the things that you've not yet physically seen. You can have them by faith. Do you know that? You can, you can actually come to a place of experience. Have you ever been? I have. Have you ever been in a place where you believe in God for something and suddenly you know you've got it? You know you've got it. You don't have it. You don't, and you're not working yourself up pretending that you know you've got it. You know it's going to happen. Have you ever prayed through something to the place of victory? You don't have the victory, but in your heart you do. You say, you say to yourself, well, I prayed over it. I prayed over it. This thing is covered in prayer. Well, it seems to be getting worse. Don't worry, I've got the victory. You see, you've entered into your rest in an experience internally before you've experienced it externally. So there is an internal rest that will eventually bring an external rest. You can, you can experience that in little things and in larger things. Is another word for it is, in your, is your inheritance. And so these people... What God intended for them was to believe him. What God intended them was to enter into the faith of, enter into their souls, to get their souls in a place of rest. When R.T. Kendall speaks about this, he speaks about your soul entering into a place of rest right now. And that your soul can enter into the rest of faith now, here on earth, even before externally you've seen what you believe come to pass. 
That's where God wants us. And the children of Israel, what they were meant to do, they were meant to say this. We believe you, Lord. We trust you, Lord. We know that what you've promised is going to come to pass. And whatever we have to face, difficulties, reversals, we know we're going to get there. You're good, your word is true. And Lord, whatever comes our way, it can't stop from what you're going to do. You promised us the promised land. We've got many trials to go. We've got enemies in the land. We've got the devil that says we can't have it. We've got fortresses and Jerichos in our way. Uh, we've, got all, we've got giants that are out there. But do you know what? You said it. We believe it. It's going to happen. We just believe you. And, they were, and, and a rest was meant to enter. Can you, feel, can you imagine what it must have been like if they'd done that? If they'd said, it's going to happen. Yeah, but how's it going to happen? Have you seen the giants? Have you seen the land? I, I don't really know how it's going to happen, but it will. Yeah, but, you, you know, we might, I don't know. I can't explain it to you, but I have a rest. I have a knowledge. I just have a, a knowledge. I know that I know that I know that somehow it's going to happen because it doesn't depend on us. It depends on him. And, and if it looks like a reversal, if it looks like we're going in the opposite direction to that which has been promised, do you know what? I've still got a rest. God will get us there. God will do it. It's God, God, God. We believe him. And so when we reverse their attitudes, we get the attitude of entering into rest. So, for example, let's have a look at them. When, when we look at the description of these people, we find that, they, um, that the Holy Spirit says, look, their hearts were hardened. In other words, they were unbelieving. They didn't trust God. They were hard. They were rebellious. In other words, they weren't going to do it God's way. They were going to do it their way. They were going to sort it out. And they did, didn't they? I mean, do you remember? They didn't believe God. They didn't trust God. They didn't have rest. And then when God said, right, you will not enter into this aspect of your rest. Not one of you will enter into the promised land. What did they do? Try and possess tried to do it their way. And they kept testing God. In other words, they, time and time again, they wouldn't let him teach them. They were unteachable. They didn't learn the lesson of the deliverance of uh, the Red Sea. They should have said, wow, did, did you, God delivered us from Pharaoh. Is anything too difficult for him? No, the next moment they're saying, God took us out here to die of lack of water. And then God takes them to water, but it's bitter. And they say, look, what sort of God takes us to bitter water? And then God heals water, heals the water, they drink of it. Have they learned yet? Have they softened their heart towards God? No, they got no food and they're going to die. And again and again and again, even while the glory of God is on the mountain, while the glory of God is in full, full vision of them, they're down there making idols and calves. I mean, they didn't trust God. They didn't believe God. They didn't get over their trust issues. On the contrary, they were rebellious. They saw his work, it says in verse 90, for 40 years. In other, I, I know the judgment came, but they saw it. They saw it. They saw it. They saw it with their physical eye, but they never saw it spiritually. And they provoked him. And he says, they always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. See, this is a big key. We could preach a whole message on knowing the ways of God. You can know about God mentally, but to know how God works, and sometimes to know how God works is, is to say, I don't know how God works. His ways are mysterious. 
His ways are not our ways. They're higher than our ways. But they are built on principles. Principles of trust and faith and promise. They didn't know his ways. Uh, they all, uh, and he swore in his wrath, they shall not enter into their rest. And then it says, take care, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. Often I will refer to this phrase, the living God. Because in the Bible, old and new, whenever God is referred to as the living God, it's an important phrase. It's not just a throwaway phrase. Oh, the, oh, the living God. Well, what does that mean? Don't know, it's just a phrase. No, the living God means the God who acts. The God who acts, the God who intervenes, the God who lives, the God who does, the God who's at work in the world today. And so when Peter sees a revelation of who Jesus is, he says, you're the son of the living God. When, when David sees Goliath and everybody trembling in front of this giant, why are they trembling? Because they don't believe that God can deliver them from this giant. They either don't believe that God can or they don't believe that God wants to. They've got a trust issue. So every morning, Goliath comes out and scares the wits out of the whole army of Israel, challenges them, where's your God? And they're thinking, do you know what? God's not here. God can't do it. Or God won't do it. And then David, the little boy, comes up and says, who are these uncircumcised Philistines to defy the armies of the living God? Living God. In other words, my God's alive, my God's not dead, my God is willing and able to deliver his people. No matter what the circumstances, the Goliaths and the giants say, my God is living. And it's his faith in this living God. And that was the problem of the children of Israel. Every time they had a test, they thought God's abandoned us. God's not around, God's not able, God's not willing. And their hearts were hardened against him. They didn't know his ways, you see. And they departed from the living God. And it says that they were deceived by the deceitfulness of sin, blinded by it. So if we turn these things around, we find that someone that's going to enter into their rest is the opposite, someone with a soft heart. It's someone that's obedient. It's someone that doesn't test God but trusts God. In other words doesn't just slander him everything goes every time something goes wrong and, and and somebody that doesn't try and do it themselves you know Jacob's problem was that he didn't learn the lessons of his father Isaac and how did Jacob try and get the promises of God by faith in God no he tried to get the promises in the clothes of Esau and Esau and Ishmael are a picture of flesh a picture of human effort, a picture of I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to make it work. If God's not going to make it work, I'm going to make it work. That was Moses' problem. And I don't want to be someone to speak against Moses. He was a great close friend of God. But, but he, he hit the stone. He didn't do it God's way. He got frustrated. He thought, I'll sort this out myself. And so, there, there was the, so when we're talking about these things... We're talking about not doing it our own way. We're talking about doing it his way and trusting and believing, not departing from the living God, but when it all goes pear-shaped, just trusting him. You know, though he slay me, Job said, yet I'll trust him. In other words, God's in control. I'm trusting God. It might look like wrong. You see, there's a rest that comes into our hearts. And this is where we want to be. And this is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 11. 
verse 28 and 29. Come to me, all that are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke, because it's rest. He uses the word rest for your souls. So this rest is an internal trusting. I mean, this, this is a place of rest and of peace. It's a place of faith. Let me give you a concrete example of this. How could Jesus be asleep in the midst of a storm when the boat is sinking? How could, he? How could, he, how could his soul be at peace? How could his soul be at rest? Because he knew he wasn't going to die in a boat in the Sea of Galilee. He had promises. He knew his destiny wasn't to die in a boat. How could Paul have so much rest? I love the story of Paul after God spoke to him and promised him and said, you will testify to me in Rome. And then the, the journey to Rome was appalling. I mean, it was worse than a Ryanair flight. <laughs> Everything went wrong. I mean, shipwrecked. I mean, and yet, what was beautiful that Paul at that time, he, he had entered into the rest. He knew there was a promise. He knew that the promise, he was going to end up in Rome. So he was indestructible and he knew it. And to see the man in that rest of faith, it came by the promise. The way is, you know, the storm is breaking. I mean, the storm is smashing the ship. And he's like, don't worry. I've got to go to Rome. And he says, oh, by the way, God's just promised me that no, not one of us is going to lose their lives. So cheer up. He's cheering. Cheer up. Although the storm was all about him, he, at that point, he'd entered in to the rest of faith. No matter what was happening, he knew God was in control, and he even had specific promises of his destiny. So he gets upon that island, and they're all, everybody's exhausted, and Paul's making a fire, and they're, they can't believe they've survived, and then that snake fastens upon him, and they all go, ah, he's cursed, he's going to die. What does Paul do? Shake it into the fire as if nothing ever happened. Now, he had a specific promise, but God is giving us specific promises too. You see, one of the key notes here is this. Today, I, 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 made, I put two, two words, three words. Today, Holy Spirit, rest. Again and again in chapter 3 and 4, it says, Today, if you hear his voice. Today, if you hear his voice. Today, if you hear his voice. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice. Today, Holy Spirit's voice, rest. I put those three things today. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, today. This is a rest that we can enter in today. We can leave this place in an increased experience of the rest of God. Rest, O oh my soul, in God alone behind me in this uh, screen. Psalm 62.5. Rest, O oh my soul, in God alone. Often our souls rest in our circumstances. You know, I, I hope that, you know, if you go on holiday this summer, if you're able to go on holiday, I hope you had rest. And I hope you had rest in a nice place with nice people. And that, but that's not what we're talking about because maybe you had a, a nightmare flight or something like that. And if your rest was in your circumstances. Now, the children of Israel, their rest was always in their circumstances. And when their circumstances were not restful, they were not restful. But if your rest, if your soul is in rest, this is faith. It means that if you're entering into an increased experience of rest, then whatever comes your way, 
it, it, it won't disturb you, or if it does, it will minimize. I'm not saying you're going to enter into a full rest on the inside. God wants you to. But there are increase. God, God is raising up a people, wants to raise up a people that are strong on the inside. You see, we can't do great and mighty exploits unless we're strong on the inside. Uh, it's what goes on on the inside that counts. And then we'll be able to carry that anointing. Then we'll be able to, to climb mountains and, and, and leap walls. And we'll be able to carry things and face things because we'll have an unshakable faith. I spoke a few weeks ago on, on the shaking, that God is shaking all things so that the, God is shaking everything that can be shaken so that things that can't be shaken shall, will remain. Do you understand? You can have an unshakable soul if it's based on an unshakable faith. Just knowing that God is in control. No matter what happens, God is in control. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Even if situations seem that he's, and not, he doesn't always feel like that, but even if th he knows what he's doing, he's in control. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He wants us to trust in him. He wants us to rise up and believe him. Even before we've got into the promised land, the promised land has got to go into us. And so God has got an inheritance. This inheritance is a reward. God gives rewards and inheritances. And the rewards of God are present and future. The greatest inheritance that you can experience right now is the Holy Spirit in your life. Bringing the word and believing the word and bringing peace in your life. Today, 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 not yesterday, not tomorrow. Today, Holy Spirit speaking, rest. You can enter into that rest. Now, God is speaking to you today. We heard him earlier as we were praying for the Holy Spirit to do work in our life. I believe he was speaking to us about wanting to remove some um, splinters in our hearts. He wanted to do a heart work. Wanted to do a heart work. God is speaking. God has spoken to you. God is always speaking to you. Notice at the end of chapter 4, we get that powerful verse. Enter into the rest, verse 11. Enter into the rest. And then it says, for the word of God is living. Sharper than any two-edged sword. You know, when you're a kid and, and you've got a splinter, and I don't know, maybe not down here, but in New Yorkshire, my mom gets out her, uh, her, her needle, her sewing needle, and she just gets that thing out. Well, that needs to be a sharp needle. Well, here, the word of God is a sharp, sharp two-edged sword. In other words, it's like a scalpel, which is able to go into what? The heart, the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Some of these splinters, my friends, are thoughts and intentions. World views, false views of God, false views of self, False misunderstandings of God, his word, how life works, how you work. Misunderstandings. They're splinters, intentions, splinters of intentions, splinters of, heart, of, of um, uh, uh, thoughts, thought splinters, intention. And the Holy Spirit wants to come in and get these false things out and to expose them. Listen, no creature is hidden from his sight. We were speaking earlier about opening up like a flower for the sun to shine on us. And th all this is in the context of entering into rest. I mean, sometimes we take the word of God as living and active. We don't even know what's been written, verses and chapters beforehand. We're just taking a verse out of context. But here we're seeing in context that if we're going to enter into our rest, 
is to do with a present voice of the Holy Spirit speaking into our lives. How many believe that God speaks to us today? He is. He's constantly, every day, He's speaking to us in our Bible readings, through other people. That's why I have a book, a black book. It's the most important book after the Bible, a little black notebook. I have written in it things God has spoken to me, past and present, and, and everything God's speaking to me through His Word, rhema words, highlighted scriptures, times when God speaks to me through sermons, and I think the Holy Spirit is on it. He's speaking to me today. I write it down. I write it down. Because the letter kills, but the Spirit brings life. It says, the Holy Spirit, if you are hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying, today if you hear His voice. I love it. The Holy Spirit wants to, isn't a God of yesterday or a, a God of the future alone. He is the God of the present. He wants a present relationship, communion with us. Uh, there's, God has been speaking to you. Whether you've been listening to him or not, I don't know. Maybe you heard him and you forgot. Maybe it goes in one ear, like my mum used to say. Bruce, it goes in one ear and goes out the other. And maybe that, that and I, I was like that with the Lord once. I'd go, oh, I just heard the Holy Spirit speak to me through a sermon. Or, oh, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me in prayer. Oh, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me in the Word. Wow, it was a rhema word. And it went in one ear and out the other, because two weeks later I'd forgotten what he'd spoken to me about. I'd forgotten what he'd spoken to me about. Uh, but God was speaking. God is speaking into our lives on a daily basis in all the different forms and ways that he can speak. But in order to hear him, you've got to have a humble heart. God only reveals himself to the humble. If you don't have a humble heart, if you don't have, I'll put it another way, if you are not teachable, you can't hear the Holy Spirit. If you're, if you're set in your mind, you've figured it all out, you've got it all sorted, you know where you are with God, you're just going on and you're, like a, you're, you're blinkered, if you're hardened and blinkered and narrow-minded or you think you've worked God out and you think you've worked yourself and the intentions of your hearts out, let me tell you, you can't work. Only God can show you the intentions of our hearts. Just when you think you've got your heart worked out, God can show you a whole new area, a whole new area of blessing or a whole new area of, of dealing with. Holy Spirit, he's the senior partner. He's the key. He's the key to the scriptures. He's the key to the present. He's the key to the future. It's the Holy Spirit who brings faith into our hearts. That rest. It's true, isn't it? You know it. You know these things. If, if you don't pray, you'll never have rest. If you are prayerless, uh, the, more, the, the, the more prayerless, it doesn't make sense, but the more prayerless you are, the more unrestful you will be. And I'm not talking about religious prayer. I'm talking about Holy Spirit prayer. Prayer from the heart that's anointed, praying in the Spirit. Because if you're prayerless, then what that means is you're not hearing, you've not covered things in faith, and that means when things come, you're not ready. But when you pray, those things that worry, why are you anxious? Because you're not prayed through. You've not prayed through. You've not prayed through to peace. Sometimes you have to do that on a daily basis. I'm not saying they don't have to fight the fight of faith. I'm not saying once this happens, this experience of the rest of faith, you, you, you'll, never, you'll never not experience any problems. No, we have to keep in faith. You know what I'm saying? You have to keep in that place. 
And so what will happen is circumstances, situations will come to try and rob you of your rest in God alone. It'll try and disturb you, try and get you out from the place of rest. And, and that's going to happen. But what you do is you fight. It says strive to enter into that rest. That's not human striving. That's not human striving because the verse before it says rested from his works. This is what you have to do is you have to guard your heart. Something comes, something ruffles you, something gets you worried. What do you do? Take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord in prayer. You, you, Colin preached on being well with your soul this morning, didn't we? And we sung that, that hymn. Is it well with my soul? And the man who wrote that, that uh, hymn, he'd gone through all sorts of problems. But what happened was he kept that rest. God wants us to be restful on the inside, to increase our experience of him, to know that those promises that he's given us are going to come to pass. Not just the specific promises in our lives, but the general promises. And to know the nature of God, that he never changes. James makes it clear, in the midst of trials, do not blame God. God never changes. He's good all the time. And that's where, when, the, when, ev when everything else changes, if you trust the goodness of God, even when it all goes pear-shaped, when people die and you didn't expect them to die like William, what do you do? You just say, wait, God is good. I don't understand what's going on right now. I have to recalibrate. I have to work this through. I need to know what's going on. Why has this happened? Da -da 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 -da. These things need to be worked. But right now, God is, God is on his throne. God, God is in control. God knows what he's doing. And there's a rest of faith that allows you to deal with the storm. The rest on the inside, the rest of faith, can allow you to deal with what's going on in the circumstances. The receiving of the Spirit, the, the hearing of his word, the trusting in his word, the working it out in prayer. This is the rest that we can enter into now. And we rest from our works in verse 10. This is speaking from human effort. Whoever has entered God's rest has rested from his works. So in other words, we are entering into God's rest so that we can stop human striving, human anxious, human worrying, human fears, and thinking, oh, God's left me, God's... No, 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 deeper, deeper, deeper. Jesus asleep in the boat. Why? Because he knew that God was totally and utterly in control. Sometimes Jesus himself had to get on his knees and say, God, is there any other way? He had to pray through to victory. But I tell you what, when he got up from the garden of, of, of Gethsemane, his face was set, his heart was calmed again. And like a lamb to the slaughter, he just said, bring it on. He, he had to get he had to make sure he'd guard his heart. Lord, is there any other way? Lord, I'm, I am turbulent. Father, all these things, all these things. God, I just need to, I'm just praying through. I believe you, I trust you. Is there another way? I just need to. And then he got to that place. Not thy will. Not my will, but thine be done. And he got up. And do you know what? From that moment, all the stuff that happened to him, he had a rest of faith. Like a lamb to the slaughter. As they hit his back, as they struck him, as they betrayed him, as they crucified him. I tell you what, on the inside, there was faith, there was rest. Father, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Look after my mum while I'm going away. Father, into your hands I commit thy spirit. It is finished. That even without all the turmoil, there was a rest in there. There was a rest. He had already entered into his rest before... He entered into the rest of his, of his ascension. Now Jesus has entered into his rest. 
He's seated at the right hand of the Father and he's praying for us. Our trust is in the fact that he's in glory, he's in control. And so this rest in our inside will allow us to rise up and begin to enter into the promises and the destiny that we have for us. There's a rest on the inside so that we can deal by faith with the giants and the mountains and get where God wants us to do with that peace on the inside. I've learned, I'm learning and I've learned that what God wants us to do, we can't do in our own strength. Yeah. Is that, of course, Bruce. No, I mean it. But God will do it by his spirit, not by might, not by striving, but by his spirit, he will do it. Zerubbabel and Joshua were told, you're going to rebuild the temple, but not by might. God's going to do it. By his anointing, God's going to do it. It might look on the outside. Somebody who's in, entered into the rest of faith on the inside, it might look on the outside. How are they surviving? They're in the rest. There's a rest that is coming out and arresting the things that are trying to stop them. There's a rest. There's a peace. We're only human. We don't get this in fullness, but we can have it. We can, there's so much more. We can enter into this rest on a daily basis by believing what God is saying, by making sure there's that security and our soul finds rest in God. And then when we face these things, there's a peace on the inside. All the great saints of God had this. The apostles did not have this when Jesus was taken to the cross. They did not have this rest. They didn't understand. They didn't believe. They didn't have it. And so they all scattered. They ran. Peter did not have this. He, he was traumatized by a young maid. Hey, weren't you with Jesus? No, I wasn't swearing and everything. No, I wasn't. He didn't have this rest, did he? But he did. Eventually he would. Eventually he would. Eventually he would have this rest where he understood that whatever happened, God was in control. Wow, what, what a release. To, Stephen had this, didn't he? Stephen had this. Uh, everybody's hating him and he's just like, oh, and there's the Son of God on his throne. He had a rest. He was not intimidated. Neither was he intimidating. He was just free on the inside. He'd entered into his rest already. And that's why he could face the stones. That's why Paul could face the things that were thrown, because on the inside he was already at rest. God was in control. There was nothing anybody could do unless God gave them permission. It was all planned. And the apostles learned to live in the rest that Jesus did. They learned to do that. That's why they were able to do so much mighty things. We think of Christians that we know, or Christians of church history. I'll bring this to a close now. But we think, we say, what great men of God, what great women of God, what great revivals, how they overcame. But you don't understand. They did overcome but they had already overcome on the inside. There was a freedom and they had entered into the rest of faith. Entering into the rest of faith on the inside puts you in a place to do the exploits on the outside. Allows you to rise and be everything God's called you to do. And the internal rest brings forth the external rest. In other words, you begin to conquer the promised land. You begin to see results. You begin to overcome. You, you, you can carry what God gives you without going off into the flesh or, or losing it or being destroyed. Why? Because that rest is healing you. That rest is making you whole. That rest is driving you into God instead of away from God. And when pressure comes and, uh, and hurts come and uh, and disappointments come, it just drives you into the rest. It drives you into God, not drives you away from God. You hear what I'm saying? 
So, Father, I just pray, Lord, that this revelation would work out in our lives through a working of the Spirit, that we'd understand today the Spirit enter into your rest. Two-edged sword God working in our hearts that we might enter into our rest. Every day, today, tomorrow, not tomorrow, but when tomorrow's today, enter into your rest. Tuesday, it's in the future, you can't do it now, but Tuesday, enter into your rest, because that will be today. Present work of the Holy Spirit, present witness of the Holy Spirit, present anointing of the Holy Spirit, present accompanying of the Holy Spirit, the present, the present, the present, the present, entering in of the rest, will prepare you for the future rest, your destiny on earth, and ultimately for the ultimate fulfillment of the rest and reward when Jesus returns and we enter into the fullness. We don't have to wait till then. Every day we can enter into it and it's the key to the future blessing. Lord, release it on our lives today. Is there anybody here today and, and you need to start your journey with God. You, you need your sins forgiven because without your sins forgiven, you can't have any rest. In fact, when you die, you want, you know, we, that, that thing, yeah, let's, let's just move. That thing, R-I-P, rest in peace. You know, people write it on, every, rest in peace, rest in peace. If you die in your sins, there is no rest. The only rest you'll have had is in this earth. If you die without having your sins forgiven you, you don't enter into the rest. It, it is the biggest lie in the cemeteries today that when they write rest in peace on unbelievers' tombs, I mean, it's a horrible thing. It's a horrible truth, but it's a truth. They are not resting in peace, my friends. You, you read the parable of Lazarus. They're where the rich man is. They're in torment and flames. Why? Because they died in their sins and have, and have come into an eternal state of restlessness. But nobody here tonight or watching on the... None of you need to die in your sins, but you can enter into rest today. You don't have to wait till you die. And when you die, you'll enter into the rest of God and active worshipping of Him. But you must have your sins forgiven. Don't die in your sins. If you're here today, every head bowed in prayer, either for people or for yourself, I can guarantee you forgiveness of sins. And you can begin to enter into the rest of God on earth in this sinful world today. And know that should you die, you will enter not into restlessness of torment, but restlessness of, of, of the rest of heaven. God never intended anybody to go to hell. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But if you don't want his forgiveness, you will end up there. Is anybody here today, you're just one prayer away from entering into the rest of salvation. Come to me all who are heavy laden. Lift your hand and I'll pray for you now for forgiveness of sins, yes? Anybody else? Up there in the balcony, keep your hands up so I can see and pray for you. All you have to do is, which you're already doing, anybody else, just believe in your heart and confess your mouth, Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you died for my sins. You took my sins. I believe you died for my sins and you rose again. If you believe that in your heart today, you're saved. Your sins are forgiven you right now. Father, release forgiveness of sins. In Jesus' name. What's going to happen is we're just going to end with a, a song of praise, of worship more, worship song of thanksgiving. And we're going to enter into our rest 
tonight as we already have been by faith. I'm going to take this with us. Those of you that lifted your hands, someone's going to come and just talk to you for a while and give you a gift and pray for you, nothing to be worried about. But the rest of us, we're going to just go out and thank the Lord and we're going to go and we're going to apply this to our lives today and when tomorrow becomes today and the next day. Enter into rest. Let's stand together as we close.